I must admit, we played Wales in the old days, and it was a lot to do with a freezing cold van with an engine in the middle. That's the only warm place. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Sapnin Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! You are listening to episode 109 of Sapnin Podcast with myself, Sean Smith, and my good Merry Christmas friend, Morgan Richards. Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards. And if you didn't know already, it's Christmas. <laughs> That's weird. You went off in my headphones. Then, Did, uh, wow. are you recording? Are you recording? You uh, end? Yeah. Oh, good. Just checking. <laughs> um, yeah, it is Christmas, and uh, yeah, you guys should come on and feel the noise. I've only done that because oh. it's Christmas. There's a pun from Sean that was equally as bad as Morgan's, and he tries to fit in every week to a deadline. Um, but yeah, as Morgan said, our guest. Or oh, as Morgan alluded to, our guest this week is the fabulous, fabulous Dave Hill of Absolute Legends, Slade. Yes, literally the godfathers of rock and roll. Their inspiration to the modern era of rock and all the bands throughout the years that we're all obsessed with wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for Slade. Everyone from Noel Gallagher of Oasis to Corey Taylor from Slipknot, Kiss, Nirvana credited them as an inspiration and we thought since we've got an episode coming out on christmas day why not get festive with the wonderful david hill from slade well yeah why not get one of the performers of the greatest christmas song to have ever been written now listen to me if you disagree with our sentence two things number one you're wrong number two let me know what you think is the best Christmas song at Sapling Podcast Socials. On Twitter and Instagram, go to at S-A-P-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D. That's at S-A-P-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D. And let me know what you think your best Christmas song is so I can reply to you, telling you you're wrong and how it's Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> But Sean, you're in a very festive mood. I can I can tell you're wearing a uh, uh, red, crimson, orangey jumper that kind of shares the experience. Are you are you feeling you feeling uh, all hyped up for the big day? Well, not particularly, no, oh, um, oh. because it's 
four days away, isn't it? Three days away, four days away. No, Matt, well, this it's, is oh, it's the 25th it's of today. December. It's actually today. Christmas time. Why did I start singing that then? Um, yeah, Merry Christmas, everyone. I am feeling surprisingly Christmassy, despite everything that's going on with everybody behind the scenes. Just want to say thank you very much. If you've listened to any of our episodes this year, it means the absolute world to both me and Morgan. Yeah, the fact that we still get to do it. The fact that last week we had um, we had a get together with um, some of the patrons of the podcast, and uh, yeah, we had a fantastic Christmas slash National Emo Day party together on Zoom. Mm. Yes, we did. It was absolutely lovely. But as Sean mentioned, you know, we thought since Christmas Day was a Friday, why not just have a, a lovely festive chat? We could have just been really lazy, but we instead thought let's get everyone in the spirit and have an inspirational chat by an actual music legend. Um, This year has been full of great, great conversations, so why not top that off with uh, another exceptional one? But massive thank you to everyone who supported us in 2020. I know it's been a very weird year for us all. It's we've been all, a shit of a year. Well, yeah, we've, had, right we've all had to deal with, with things that we didn't expect. But the fact that anybody is continuing to listen to us, showing us support and love, means the absolute world. So I'm hoping Father Christmas had you on their good list because you deserve it. Ah. Uh. Oh, they do, not me. Well, they do, yes. I don't know if you would be on the good list, Sean, because wow. you're you're a, a little bit of a rapscallion, really. A wow. heart. Um, well, well, I bloody never. I mean, no, like, I just don't know if you would. I don't want to lie to you. I don't, like, would you be on the naughty list or would you be on the, the nice list? I'd like to think nice list. Like, well, who's, who's like, oh, do you know what? No, like, unless you've murdered. Oh, no, uh, no, I can't hmm, say anymore. Hmm. Anyway, um, if you've listened to any of the 109 episodes, including this one, um, that we've put out, and um, you fancy supporting the lads, please think about checking out patreon.com forward slash sapnin. That's patreon.com forward slash sapnin to support the podcast moving forward. We've cr- Somehow, we've created a massively beautiful community of absolute legends who I love and adore very, very much. And um, we welcome you to be part of it. Please do. Please do. Yes, what Sean said. Everyone in our community is absolutely lovely. And without them, this thing wouldn't have been able to keep going. So please check it out. Patreon.com forward slash Sapnin. But let's just get straight into this, Sean. I mean, it's Christmas Day, for God's sake. Our listeners are waiting to unwrap the present that is the magical David Hill talking about over 50 years of touring in the music industry and some mad, mad stories he's experienced in that time yes what a legend what an absolute rock star a true true rock star he's such a rock star right he invented wearing uncomfortable shoes on stage so fucking take that machine gun (laughs) kelly enjoy that one you fucking tit anyway here's the amazing devil i fucking love this i just loved being on the chat with a legend thank you very much i hope you're having a great christmas I love you very much, and I know Morgan loves you as well. And, uh, yeah, check us out. Fucking tidy. Sapnin! Sapnin! (laughs) 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's happening. It's happening. It certainly is happening, and it's happening right now. <laughs> yes! Yes! Oh, uh, this wow. week's guest is absolute UK, well, world music legend, and some would say fashionista, the fantastic Mr. Dave Hill Ooh, of yes. Slade. Yes. Yes, I'm here. Certainly um, here and doing this, and it's very enjoyable to talk to you. Yeah, talking about the past and all the things that obviously make up a, a band from the days I started anyway, <laughs> and anything that can help you with your interview, I'll, I'll be glad to do that. Oh, well, amazing. Thank you so much for joining us, Dave. This is an absolute pleasure, a Christmas treat, uh, if we can say that as well. So, yeah, how, how are you doing? How's uh, this year treated you in all the madness of 2020? Well, to be honest with you, um, obviously nobody was prepared for this this onslaught on, on my side of the business. But, I mean, looking at the bigger picture of more sensitivity towards... As, as human beings to one another, I think it's been obviously a very sad, um, very dreadful year for many people. And I've been very sensitive towards that, although I'm associated with the Christmas songs and many other number ones. Mm. Um, it's not like every, I, I feel like being Mr. Jolly. I, I'm probably more so sensitive to where we are right now. I mean, from my personal point of view, I've been on the road for 50 years, right? So I've probably seen more of the world than most people ever have. And, yep. and because of the music and what we created back in the 70s and indeed the 80s, I've managed to use my past to create my future, I mean, in a lot of cases, a lot of bands don't continue. You get the Stones occasionally popping out for another tour. But in my case, it's never been like... I mean, when you're not in the charts, obviously people think you've disappeared. But it's not about that. It's about 
the the body of work, the kind of songs, and the the enjoyment uh, within the band of what we created. Now, I think one of the nice things is we've never been a political group, um, and it isn't like something we were saying years ago, which isn't valid today. I mean, come and feel the noise, mob or crazy. Now, I mean, I'm sure they're quite. Um, exciting tracks and loved by many people and when i play obviously i'm an entertainer as well as a showman with the clothes and all the rest of it i'm known for oh, yeah <laughs> yes and i'm sure you know all about that you know the mm, various yeah. costumes uh, which obviously became part of what we call the salesmanship you used to have a saying in the group you see it was, it was a joke between me and the rest of the band but when I used to get my outfits rigged up and some of them I created myself, nobody would see them. Uh, and in the top of the Pops dressing room, I'd go into the, the toilet area to put it all on and I'd come out like a, out of a jackbox, if you know what I mean, suddenly appears. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I think the, the fun of that was that my manager was Chas Chandler who was Jimi Hendrix's manager. Mm. And Chas Chandler was very fond of the things I got up to visually because it was when you get on top of the pops, you've got to have a great song. You've also got to sell it. And you've got to, with us, it was always about getting on a stage, wearing something and entertaining an audience. And it's the same principle with Top of the Pops. There were only two things in this country that mattered. And it was Radio 1 and top of the pops and yep. both needed each other if you understand me but when yep. i used to come out of the dressing room because they used to be knocking on the door saying reveal all the costume you know that kind of thing and i'd come out and they'd fall on their backs laughing a bit like their cabbage <laughs> potato mashed adverts where they're lying <laughs> their backs laughing or pepper pig anyway but a bass player was never fond of what I wore, but the, but Chaz was, and a nod was a character anyway. But Chaz would say, "I think we've got another number one man because of Geordie. That's a bad Geordie voice, by the way." <laughs> and um, you know, we, I think we're gonna. I think it was true actually because the song we were promoting was "Come On, Feel the Noise," right? And um, I'll come out with this costume which ended up becoming the metal nun, but it wasn't meant to be a metal nun. It was meant to be Egyptian. But obviously, yeah. not everybody thought that. But when I come out, there was the laughing. Then I went on top of the pops. And, and this is a true story. Rod Stewart was number one, you see. And, of course, we knocked him right off the top because the amount of sales we had on that record was phenomenal. And, and, and the following week, I think... <laughs> One of the faces, I think it was Ronnie Wood, says, I've never, I've never liked that day, Bill. In other words, I got the blame. <laughs> I, thought that was a great, I thought that was a great, great compliment. Um, but, but the thing is, uh, what I've been doing now to help me, um, I, I mean, I've got a big family. I've got five grandkids, so, and I've had a long marriage. But what I've always wanted to do was to write a solo album. And now, I don't mean a solo album a la I'm going to play guitar and instrumentals. I don't mean that. I mean that I've always been writing on and off for many years. I'm on the laptop, maybe, when I'm, when I'm on the road, you know. And 
suddenly it was like you come on you've got a great idea you go on the software logic is what i use and you you're working away and then you have to go to a gig and you usually end up with an all-finished song now what's actually happened I've been totally concentrating in this room and I've, I've had several guitars hanging on my wall, which I've never used. I suddenly got this idea to actually concentrate on it in lockdown and it's given me a bubble in, in my own creativity. And I've, um, I've discovered that I've got a voice um, yeah. as opposed to me being concerned about my voice because I'm not going to attempt to sound like Noddy Older in, and mm. it's not going to be a Slade album, but it's going to have some of the elements in my guitar playing, but I'm very varied in how I play. You see, I can play class, piano, classical guitar. There's a lot of things I can do that people don't know me for. I wanted to do it for me and my family, and whatever happens to it, I'm sure somebody will take an interest in it anyway. I hope they will. Oh, but, no doubt. But the no discovery of, of, of being in your own bubble, yeah. and the more you do it, the better you get at it, if you know what I'm saying. It's like I used to have a, a bit of a struggle with lyrics, and then suddenly you realise writing lyrics for songs is basically, if you're going to be real about it, write what you know. Because you're not going to be writing a song to go out pulling girls like it was years ago, you know what I mean, when you're young. Because I think with the generation I grew up in, which goes way, way back, post-1946 through the 50s and the 60s, I was right there when rock and roll started, you know, with Elvis Presley. So I'm one of those that were in, in, in the first place, the same as the Beatles. And the influences we had from American music was pretty amazing. Um, I mean, you, you hadn't got videos to copy. The only way you learnt was you buy the record and you sit by the radiogram and work it out. So that was actually really good rather than some somebody on a video going, oh, this is how so-and-so plays on so-and-so, which unless they are that person, they don't really know how so-and-so plays on. It's, it's like somebody trying to work out how I play, you know, and they, and they don't get it right because the person is the person. The beauty of learning from records is that Sometimes you get it wrong, but actually it works out to be a little bit different. And you end up with a, a style that comes out of it rather than a copyist. It was very exciting, you see, because there weren't that many groups in the 60s. There were a lot of 60s bands, of course, but you used to have a lot of kids on, on the council estate. They'd all have a go at it, you know, and they'd play skiffle. And that's wow. exactly how we started. And there used to be a, a guy called Lonnie Donegan and... And there was uh, Tommy Steele, and they all played skiffle kind of music, which was country, really. But that's how we started, you see. Then it was the electric guitar, and then it was Buddy Holly and Chuck Berry, which were all those people I, I learned off Chuck Berry because of his style of rhythm. A lot of Slade's things are influenced by Chuck Berry. Uh, he was just phenomenal. But we had a lot to, uh, to have a listen to to get our ideas, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I wanted to touch on that because, yeah, I've seen some photos of, like, uh, the early Slade together and stuff. And, um, yeah, you guys are, like, I suppose, dressed kind of like skinheadish. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, the, the truth behind that is we never were skinheads, really. But yeah, what, what happened was, you imagine that, you know, when you watch a film and then 
there's an artist or there's somebody on the stage and the right man is in that in the right place and walks up to you and goes, I'm going to make you a star. You know, <laughs> you imagine that idea. Now, it wasn't quite like that, but we went to London uh, and there was a man there called Jack Baverstock who used to be involved with Dave D, Dosey Beak and Mick and Titch in the 60s, right? And, and he spotted our talent when we went doing a demo in there, he said. And he said, I quite like you a lot. He said, how about make it, making an album for me and, and I'll pay for it. And we were going, what, great idea, you know. We'll come down in the old van, you know, and bring the gear and start recording. And we just went down and did our show. And he took an interest and he said, you really need a manager or somebody in London, he says, because Northern management's not very good and you need somebody down here. So he then put us on to somebody who was an agent, and that agent knew Chas Chandler, right? Now, if you can imagine at this time, there were Robert Stigwood, there was Chas Chandler as a famous manager, and, and, th and this agent said, well, I can put him in one of my clubs in London down Bond Street. He said, we've got a little club there called the Rasputin, and we found out that he was coming to see us. So we were on the stage, just being ourselves, totally ourselves, and then the man comes downstairs and we see him. We're a bit scared, you know, thinking, oh, I hope he likes us. And he just watched us. And then he walked across the, the dance floor and there was nobody really in anyway. So we were just playing what we always do. And he just said, I think you're great. I think you're a breath of fresh air and I want a manager. And of course, at that, at that point, it was a bit like he suddenly started talking about promotional ideas. He comes out with a load of things and we're thinking, my God, this is Chas Chandler, you know. But he understood rock and roll and that's the point here. Our manager could understand how to produce a record and rock and roll records which we grew up with. So when we got in the studio with him, of course, he, he followed suit of trying to record the songs that we did which weren't, weren't all ours at the time. We weren't doing that much writing, you know. In fact, we used to try writing with each other um, until we found the actual winning combination. But Chaz, Chaz was very encouraging in the sense of saying to us, look, you've learned all these songs by all these people from America. Now go and write your own from the experiences. And that's, we started to follow that thought. And then frustratingly so, 12 months later, we weren't getting anywhere. And our publicist, Keith Haltham, who was quite well known, um, he used to be a publicist to the Stones. Chaz said to Keith Haltham, he said, any ideas? He said, oh, this band's great. He said, but I don't know how to break them into the scene. Is there anything going on? He said, well, there's a skinhead movement. And he said, what? Skinheads? Yeah, he says, there's these skinheads and shaving their hair off and they're into sort of reggae and ska music, you see. And Chaz went, ding, yes, I'll get their haircuts, right? <laughs> well, it was a really funny story because we'd all got nice girlfriends then. And, it was like, and, we, and we, we, really, we really looked great, you know. We got sort of, Nod had got this big mop of hair and I, I looked like George Addison. It was all a bit like that. And, and, and it was a bit like a confidence and all the rest of it. And then Chas says, I want you to get your hair cut, all of you. You're going to make a fortune. We're going to do this. Well, we didn't want to argue, you see, in case he didn't want to manage us. So we went ahead with it, you see. Then we all had our hair cut off. 
girlfriends left us, right? Uh, and, and it was a bit like, oh, I'm not going out with a skinhead. It was all a bit sort of like that. <laughs> I, I was really uncomfortable with it because I had to wear bobber boots and braces. And I was most uncomfortable at it as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can imagine. Uh, um, he used to march us around London, right? To, to take us in, in posh places to, to make us a, a bit like, oh my God, who's that over there? Oh, that's a new skinhead band. It was all a bit like that, you know. Any way to get publicity, Keith Altham, on the other hand, was a bit upset because he said, he says, they're, not, they're nice blokes, them slaves. He said, you can't do that to them. And he says, too late. I've already <laughs> sent them down the barbers. And, and really, for a year or more with that, we pursued it, released a couple of songs. It didn't happen. And not only that, skinheads, how are skinheads going to like a band with a violinist in it? <laughs> <laughs> That's true, to be honest, yeah. You know, it's, yeah, exactly. it's a, a skinhead yeah. playing violin on stage. I mean, we were doing the, the sort of songs we were doing. We were doing Nights in White Satin by the Mersey Blues and mm. Frank Zappa and all sorts of stuff. It was hardly Scar and it was hardly, it was just, but basically in a funny way, we we basically give up on it in the end and Chaz just let us grow our hair back. And from growing our hair back came that famous hairstyle that I ended up with because yeah. it was what I grew from it and Nod with his sideboards and his flat cap was a, a, a thing in the Midlands like a working class cap. So it become a bit sort of funky looking, you know, with like a flat cap before the, the mirrored hat. But bit by bit, piecing it together, the bother boots ended up being platforms in the end because I got a guy in Kensington Market and I went in one day and I said, can you make a boot with three platforms? He said, I can make a boot with ten platforms. He said, it was a bit like that. I said, that's brilliant. I said, because I'm, I'm only five foot four and it will make me look tall, you see, on stage. So yeah. I said, he started now at that time. Believe it or not, Freddie Mercury was working in there in, in um, one of the outlets because it was a market called Kensington Market. Scene. I mean, I didn't know Freddie, but there were lots of interesting people making clothes in there, you see. So it was one of those places where you always go to try and get something different. And this guy made me these platforms. And there was a guy in there selling long leather coats right, right down past your knees, like. And I went up to him and I said, um, I said, can you make all the colours in these coats? He said, coat's great, he said. He said, I'll make any colour you like. I said, could you make it in silver? He said, yeah, sounds great. I've noticed that the colour, te- we didn't have colour television and um, it was still black and white TV, you see, in the late 60s. Genius. Um, and, but Genius. one thing about silver is that it looks good in black and white TV. So, yeah. so and so that was a bit of a winner. So I got him to make this coat. And then we had this this minor hit with Get Down and Get With It before we had the big number one. And we got on top of the pops and there was no looking back. As soon as we got on there and the turning point in Slade's career is that colour television was coming in. And it was just on time. You know when something meets something, it's a bit like we're the right band with the right clothes and here's coloured television to let you know exactly how it, how it looks. So for me, the coloured TV, the, the aspect of Top of the Pops is that I can see what works and what doesn't work. Mm. And, and that's how it formulated into 
the success leading up to the metal nun. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that, that's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, that's literally what, phenomenal. That, but like, uh, you know, you mentioned there, like understanding rock and roll and the whole image and everything. But I think it's safe to say Slade has had such an impact on the modern day of rock music and everything building up to it. If you go back, there's so many artists who have stated you as influences from people from the Ramones. Noel Gallagher said Oasis wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for Slade. And even Corey Taylor from Slipknot always mentions how much your band has helped him musically. I mean, when you hear stuff like that, is it just a wild experience to see how far Slade has come, both musically and just impacted people's minds over the years? Well, I, I think we're, to try and put it into some sequence, and those list of people that love us also includes Kiss mm. and Gene Simmons, right? Yeah. Now, and Nirvana. <laughs> and Nirvana, yeah. Uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, and certainly Noel, because I met him at the airport and I knew he was a fan. And he, he was very complimentary to me. Um, and a nice guy, you know. Um, but the, the aspect of it is that I think at the time, if you imagine that records in those days were selling like 100,000 copies per day if you were going for a number one, right? Wow. So the, 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 mass, the mass sales, there wasn't computers, there weren't, games, um, you either played football or you played tennis or you played cricket or, or alternatively you were into music and most people were into music anyway. So even at school, it was the biggest thing, you know, the most effective across falling in love with girls and, and all that kind of stuff. So if you imagine the development of that, music is a fundamental route to all things that came later. Now, with us, we were privy to a lot of things that I'd say Bruce Springsteen would have listened to. I do remember him turning up at one of our venues, come and check us out uh, <laughs> in New York. Um, you know, we didn't even know who he was because uh, yeah. he wasn't that well known in, in England, but in America, he was huge. And it, it, you don't know who's watching you, but there was one night which was quite funny and we were in America and there was this, it's a, a fairly, I can't remember the exact name, but it's a regular gig where B.B. King plays and lots of bands play this gig. And sitting in the audience, unbeknownst to me, is Kiss, right? But they, you don't know them because they're just sitting there and they're just this band staring at the stage, right? And the only reason I know they've been there because I met Gene Simmons later on, you see. And the funny thing was, a little funny story for you, I, I got these huge platforms and this silver gear and, and, and everything on stage, and they were watching this, right? And they, they had one of those stages where you had a walkout, you know, where you go down the centre part of the stage and the singer yeah. goes down. Well, what happens is I thought I'll go clogging down there, you know, in these trees. And uh, to, to impress some of the, the audience, because America was still trying to get used to us and we looked so different from any other band. So I went clogging down there and, and, and I got this soupy odd guitar, which, which was quite remarkably odd to anybody who's never seen one. And I went marching down there and I bloody slipped. And, that, and <sighs> I slipped on my back, right? And of course, Behind me was all sorts of jokes. Can you imagine the drummer and all them like shouting, <laughs> Pilek, what's he doing? 
uh, and I was lying on my back, but I, what I did, I made it look like it was, it was actually meant. And I sort of kicked my legs out. And then I sort of, I could see the rowdy head, you know, they're trying to lift me up, you see, at the platforms. But I actually got up and I went back and everybody's laughing away there. And then years later, when Gene Simmons makes it, and we met him. He says, "He said, my God, he said, Dave, Dave Hill, yeah, a legend. And he said, oh, what do you mean? He said, oh, we were in so-and-so in, in New York, and you you were there with us, and you came on stage, and you you were doing signs, and, and then you came down, and he said, what you did, you got on your back and kicked your legs out, man. That was an amazing trick. You know, thought it was part the act. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Saved it, I didn't want to say it. I didn't want uh, to spoil it, you know. But <laughs> yeah. I, th I think what, what, we're getting, what I'm getting at here is that a lot of people, I wouldn't have known that Nirvana were fans or, or anything like that, but I've always been where... Uh, Nod did a, an interview with Alice Cooper because Alice Cooper's got a radio show in America, so, right? And we were promoting Come On, Feel the Hits, which was in the charts a couple of months ago in the top. In fact, it was number eight in the actual uh, proper chart, so which we haven't been in there since 1975, right? But but the but the thing about it is is the aspect of Alice Cooper is talking to Nod. And Nod's doing these interviews to promote it, thinking, well, we were never that big in America, you know. And Alice Cooper's going, you got to be joking, man. It's almost a, a little bit like we, we are really well known for somebody that really hasn't had any real say, you know, nothing like the number ones back here anyway. But Alice Cooper was talking in terms of we'd been massive, you know, and it's very strange. And Nod's scratching his head saying, I can't believe it. So Alice Cooper was obviously a fan. I mean, Aerosmith, uh, we work with them a lot in the States. In fact, they used to support us. Can you believe that? They supported <laughs> us. <laughs> and, and I mean, they made it in the end, but they supported us. And then we ended up supporting them. <laughs> and it was quite funny one night. They had this big eyes that lights up, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it was a spinal tap night. You know the spinal tap? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The eye yeah. come part way down and stopped and the lights went out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that oh, cracked me up, that did. Um, uh, but, but, but the thing is, um, with, with people who admire, I, I went to see um, James Blunt. He came okay. to Wolverhampton Civic and he was currently having that big album, you know, uh, that, that particular big album. And I didn't know him very well, but the drummer, he contacted me and James would love to meet you. And I was thinking, well, surely he didn't know much about me. He said, oh, he said, if you come, you'll really be surprised. I thought, oh, I'll go, I'll go along then. So I, I went along with my son, who was obviously a bit of a fan, and... I met him and I thought, oh, nice guy, you know. And he says, and it, it was sort of a little bit funny. He said, we've got a little surprise for you tonight. So I go in the audience, right, and I'm sitting at the back. They're doing their songs, right, and mostly ballads and things like that. And then suddenly they start doing Cause I Love You, my first number one. Huh? And they, they start stamping on the stage like we used to. And it was really hilarious. And then I'm in the audience and they were... Some of the people spot me and they go, he's playing your song. <laughs> <laughs> playing your song. I said, yeah. I said, I was thinking, 
my God, he can't be old enough to even know that song, you know. When, when I went to see him afterwards, I said, that was, that was interesting, playing Cousin Love. He said, it's a great song. He said, I'm sorry I didn't do it justice. And I said, I'm really surprised you know that song, because that's way back in 1971, you know. And I mean, he couldn't have been very old then. But the thing is, it, 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 it's an ongoing thing. You see, sometimes the fans, well, they have kids, you know, and the kids get into the music. So, I mean, I know the Christmas song is something that will always be there and it will always be when I'm walking up the road, some bloke goes, see him over there, he's Mr. Christmas. The little <laughs> kid goes, what, what do you mean, Dad? He said, <laughs> he said he's, he's the one that made that, you know, that record you like and it, it, it's really funny, you know, because and, and they sort of send the kid over like for the autograph and he hasn't got a clue who you are. Um, but... The, but the, I mean, I know that Slave's success is not just about the Christmas song. That's only oh, part. No. But the the aspect of who you impress, I can. I, I think the honest opinion of it all is uh, there was a guy helping me to write my my life story, um, and a few years ago, and he was a real fan. But he got a, a certain thing about what he thought the reasons, in a way that we drove through a lot of a situation where back in the late 60s, early 70s, there was a lot of indulgent music, right? And in America, there was a lot of post-Vietnam uh, protest songs and things like that, you see. So a lot of groups were getting into long solos and it was all a bit serious, you see, until Kiss come along and all that. But I, I got the impression that the thing about us is we were working class blokes, you know, in council houses, uh, which I'm sure Noel Gallagher said this as well, because uh, they come from council houses. But we, we kind of, I don't like to be disrespectful, but there was a sort of prog rock area where their eyes was firmly on America as opposed to, there was a, a time when singles become unpopular. You know, um, it was all about the album. But when we made it, it wasn't just about the album anymore. It was back to the singles and the albums. And it was like the Beatles when they first made it. They always made great singles and then they made great albums. And that's how we, our success, came about by that idea that both of them are important. It's not like we're going to be an album fan. We won't release the single because it's not cool. We were the furthest thing away from trying to imagine that we were cool. It was more the fact that we were genuinely different and we got a singer. I mean, our singer, for instance, it wasn't at first that a lot of people liked his voice, you know, because the reason it got powerful, the only way he could hear himself was to shout over our backing because we were so loud, you know. And he used to be singing away there and breaking speakers, right? And his voice got more and more powerful as the years went on, you see, due to playing clubs and all that. So, and it's a bit like some people say, oh, you'll never get anywhere with that singer, he shouts. <laughs> but the very fact is, his unique voice is one of the great reasons that we did get somewhere, because we were different. We weren't, you know, it's, I mean, it's not music that... Uh, I know Nod doesn't sing it anymore. Well, he doesn't. He's not doing it anymore, but we're good mates, you say. And I know Nod has probably got a m much more mature voice now and he could quite easily make a solo album. Uh, it's up to him. But 
I think when you're singing like that, the notes he was getting in those days were when you got Robert Plant on the one hand, but you got Nod on the other, who, who had all this guts. And, and I think the bit about the, the joy in the music is that music was, our songs were strong and catchy, but they're all almost the, the public could connect with them, you know? I think the beauty of a lot of our songs is they were what people were doing, you know, having a good time or coming to the gigs. Uh, in London particularly, we played um, Earl's Court, which was a notoriously bad place to play. Nobody ever sold it out. And we sold it out. And the tubes and the trains, the, the transport system put on extra tubes to bring dressed-up fans from the outskirts of London to pack that place out. And, of course, we wouldn't have known that at the time because we were there and it was just... Well, can you imagine it? Top hats and glitter coming on. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to get that now, are you? I mean... No. I mean, the, the personalities of the things that happened in the 70s... I mean, look at Bowie, look at Rod Stewart, look at the different bands. Everybody had some sort of flavour... A lot of it, I mean, there were some more serious groups, of course, but generally speaking, the, we were a very, very good, or I would say a great rock and roll band. You know, we had that element, and so were the Beatles at first. They were a great rock and roll group that obviously wrote great songs, and I think initially they were into rock and roll like we were, and I think those principles make for a better group and it takes years to be a good group i know that but you know to actually because we reached a point in slay we've been playing so long together we could just walk on a stage and knew how each other were thinking you know and that's what makes it work it's not just about formulating songs on the laptop at all but having something of uh, you know rhythm and communication between individuals still makes of what a great band is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Correct. That's yeah, definitely. that's awesome. I mean, uh, the records also, uh, a point to be noted, is that if you listen to Slade Records, we indeed a lot of records from that period where we were using what you call 24-track, two-inch tape, and editing was not easy when those machines, right? There was no cut and paste or anything like that. So every chorus that we sang in the Come On, Feel The Noise or any of those tracks was done individually for each chorus. You didn't do one chorus and cut and paste it all the way through. And what you get through Slade's music and a lot of good music is there's always nuances as the, as the track develops. And also, it's not quantized to death. So therefore, the track moves as it goes along. It gets more exciting because it gets slightly faster without getting too fast. But that's the trick. You're trying to have a general balance when you're making the track between the four of us. Nod used to go in a booth. We all stood together around the, the, the drums and we screened each all the gear off and we played and eventually got the take by doing it several times for Chas Channel to make a choice. I would then go back in the studio and start to replace what I'd already played on the main track. But we always kept what we did on the main track as the main guy because that's where the feeling comes from and that's an absolute true story um is how we recorded because there wasn't loads of things on our track it wasn't over recorded or lots of other instruments it was basically four uh, four guys in a band yeah well i think yeah. that's um 
Yeah, that's a big thing, I think. A lot of people listening to this who are in bands now don't appreciate because a lot of bands now, they just go in and, like you said, everything's quantized, everything's played to click, um, everything's then, you know, auto-tuned to death and stuff. So I'm getting, like, a lot of new bands I hear or I listen to now, I think, well, this could just be... This feels like almost like a robot has created it. So it doesn't have the human feel that you're talking about, uh, no, the, gro- the no, groove or the vibe. There is something where if you're all looking at the same page, you're likely to write the same thing or do the same thing. I'm not knocking that because me learning how to use logic could have either been logic or Pro Tools, but I chose to use logic because it would be an easy way of accessing instruments while I was away. And you're not going to have a drummer in your bedroom, are you? No, you can... <laughs> spare drummer. Yeah, well, yeah, you know... Spare drummer lying about. Another good point for, for a lot of groups to think about also is that one of the things our manager taught us was don't outgrow your fans. So when you become successful, and we had several records with a certain feel, as you well know, is that we didn't suddenly sidetrack into doing something complicated, which we would have done in the 60s. You know, suddenly, I don't know, violins or some of that, or, or uh, uh, using people that are not actually in the band. We didn't go there, so we didn't outgrow. So the fans, when they like something, it's you have a natural ability to continue to do and play that because everybody... Everybody that has styles tends to follow that route until they change their albums like the Beatles did. But they have a, the Beatles' early albums, to me, are the best because they, they were still performing live. So they'd still got, like Lennon got fire in his voice doing those clubs with endless times. And it was the same with Slade because we were always playing live. Nod's voice was always kicking in there, you see. If you leave it alone for months and months or whatever and you start getting into studios, bit by bit your voice starts to change, can sometimes not be for the better. But I think if bands are following the route of a, something they're good at, to stick at it for, you know, while they mature. Although I know it's different now because it seems like people want to make it as quickly as possible, take the money and run. Um, yeah. Whereas it, it wasn't about the money with us. It was never about the money. Uh, I mean, we're not against earning money, but <laughs> we're never, we're never, we, we were never motivated by the fact. I mean, sometimes you get a better gig back home. You know, we used to play these clubs and pubs and, you know, mecca ballrooms. And at first we didn't get much work because people say, oh, you don't play any pop records, so we don't want to book you. When you're outside the box, they don't quite get it, but it's the difference of you being outside the box that eventually will will either make it or won't make it for you, if you know what I mean. (laughs) But with all those incredible stories, Dave, one thing I just want to pick your mind about very quickly before you go is that um, I I believe back in 1980, you headlined Reading Festival after replacing Ozzy Osbourne, and that gig itself is being very cynical with you guys and giving a a new fire to the band at the time and and letting you go on from that period. I just wanted to pick your brain about that time and that gig, and what what was it like for you? We'd never been offered Reading when we were successful. And then we'd been through quite a long period of no success and it was all about the disco 
and the BJs and all that sort of stuff. And it was all about DJs and things. But we continued to play, you see. But come 1980, it was getting very difficult, um, you know, because if you weren't selling records, you really weren't earning any money. And playing live wasn't that lucrative. But it, 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 kept us, it kept us together. But I did reach a, point, a turning point in my life where I was thinking of the possibility of, I'd got children and I was trying to figure in my mind whether... Uh, uh, well, you get a feeling like, where are we going from here? And it was getting very odd. And the very thing I love, I was suddenly booking against. And it wasn't that I didn't want to do it. It was just a need... And to be honest with you, the person who talked me into it was Chas Chandler. Now, I told Nod I didn't want to do it because I thought there'd be a lot of new groups on there, UFO, and, and how we're going to fit into that scene. On the other hand, um, Chas Chandler had a completely different opinion, and I happened to have the right opinion, actually. I said, look, Chas, I said... I'm thinking of doing this, you know, trying to get another way of earning some money. He said, don't worry about that, Dave. He said, you are a fantastic band. You have more hit records and more experience than any group on that stage. Now, I knew in the past, many years ago in the past, we did Lincoln Festival and Stanley Baker, the actor from Zulu, put the show on and nobody went down as well as we did. And there were big groups on that, like the Beach Boys, the Who, and all sorts of things. But they had bad weather. We went on and stormed it, and it got us in the papers, right? Now, Reading, looking at that one, I got to Reading. We weren't advertised. We went in the wrong car park. We were in the Punta's car park, right? (laughs) I've done that. I've done that. (laughs) We're in the wrong car park. We're in a cheap Ford, right? This is a true story. We're in this Ford car, and the bloke on the gate says, Oh, I know you lot are. What are you not here? You know, all that kind of stuff. Coming in here in the wrong place is the backstage area. So we got in the backstage area, and of course, there were these limos turning up, right, you know. And, <laughs> and we were looking at, looking at all this going, like, Oh, flipping hell, stuff. These limos. And um, we, we got in there, and the press saw us, and they went, Oh, great. He said, a real band. Oh, it was just really funny. They said, oh, there's all these ruddy poses. He said, they're turning up with dark shades on and they won't talk to us. You know, it was all a bit like that, you see. And I don't know the, which ones they were referring to, but there was a, a lot of names on there. And um, we got there as if we were like everybody's mate, you know. And then Chaz says, I've, I've got a good feeling about this because he, he got this definite feeling about this show. 40,000 people, right? And I believe that um, we were going to go later on in the show, but I think Def Leppard said they wanted to go on after us or something like that. I seem to remember something like that anyway. Um, and we, we were just knocking about. We didn't, we didn't care. Tommy Vance came up. He was the DJ at the time doing the festival. He said, it's been right boring, this festival. He said, flipping hell. He said, everybody's looking at the floor and playing long solos. Well, I, 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 I was thinking, oh, yeah. And, and we went on stage. We had no sound check, right? 
So we went on stage and it was on the hoof, as we call it. You're on your feet and go for it. So we play three songs, one after the other. That's a rule of thumb in Slade. You don't give them a chance to boo, right? So you play three songs, right? (laughs) And it certainly wasn't a boo after those three songs. It went completely in a different area. And then, and then it built and built to the point where the audience were going crazy for us to play the Christmas song. And Nod said, we're not doing it. It's not Christmas. He said, you lot, sing it. Now, 40,000 people singing the Christmas song says a lot to you, doesn't it, right? Yeah. And I think that actually points out that after that show, I was back in the charts within three months, and then it went on to further success into the 80s. And I ended up touring with White Snake and all sorts of stuff. But to be honest with you, I'd hate to think what what would have happened if I hadn't have done that show, but I think undeniably my life has been a consistent thing where the music's always spoke to me and somehow it's kept me there. And if you think a person that hasn't been off the road for 50 years, I've got to have something to say about myself that this is not a job I do, it's it's a life. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and, well said. Yeah, and well, yeah, congratulations on mm. it all because it's been absolutely amazing. Yeah, just thank you for everything. Thank you for the music. Thank you for the inspiration. It's yeah, it's it's amazing. So yeah, thank you so and much. Kind of like an Abba song that did. Thank you for the music. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Bloody hell! Yeah, the point is, I guess we're undeniably British. Slade and we have a root in black country music we come from an area full of factories where it was in those days and I think a lot to do with bands like Sabbath, Elo and all those people come out this area Roy Wood, we knew them all and we came from that breed of groups which everybody could play good and we're different you know and I think the thing is I'm I'm proud to be a part of it. And when people meet me, they smile. They don't look at the floor. It's a bit sort of uplifting. I know we're not uplifted at the moment at this time, and we have to be sensitive towards people's losses. This is not going to be a Christmas that we normally have. Uh, It's going to be sad in many ways. But if you can bring a bit of joy to some, you know, even in a reflective way, it always helps. So, so I hope that's helped your, uh, your podcast and uh, I appreciate doing it with you and giving me the time. I enjoy doing it. I like talking. Um, <laughs> we love listening. Yeah, we love listening. And um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's amazing. Well, and- I've got so many, so many stories that y- you'd be all week still talking to me <laughs> and I'll probably, probably back out. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what we'll do then. When um when this new when this new music is ready, yes. let's yes. um let's have another conversation. We'd love that very much. Well, if I can say anything to it, just in a sense, is that hopefully we will get will get through this. And at the moment, it is for people to be mindful and have a, have a peaceful Christmas together. We might not be able to see all our friends, but what we really want, isn't it, that we'll be able to see them all next time and next year and, and and this is the trick isn't it just to pull together like in wartime I suppose when people had to grow crops and all the rest of it there's a similarity is when it's a, okay we're dealing with something that we don't fully understand but nevertheless um, Britain has always had a kind of spirit of togetherness uh, and hopefully um, with your listeners um, is that maybe we will be talking of better days and hopefully 
jumping around a bit more. I hope to be jumping around a bit more next year anyway when we get back on the road. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Dave. This has been uh, a treat. I think you're going to bring a, a lot of smiles to people um, this Christmas with these, with these stories. So thank you so much. Well, as I say, be safe, all of you. Yes! yes amazing absolutely <laughs> amazing unfucking believable i was the whole time i was just looking at you going i can't get over this is this is happening this is mad it's like a man i literally watched on top of the pops and i've seen being you know interviewed constantly all over tv over the years is just there hmm. just talking to us about his life and the crazy absolutely crazy shit that they've done and I hope we get I hope we get to do a round two with Dave. Um because there's so much more there's like there's loads of stuff that I didn't ask him. I wanted to know I wanted to know what was the most costly and and also the cheapest outfit that he came up with. He has some absolutely bonkers outfits I'd like like to have known about. Yeah, that would have that would have been an insight. But as we said, Dave has just got so many incredible stories from his time in the industry. Like just to think of all those people he's influenced over the years, and the fact that they've told him how much he he means to them as as a professional yeah. and, and personally as as music fans is outstanding. So yeah, we you know it was a fright. We couldn't not put out something as an extra treat for you all on the Friday of Christmas Day. So so who better than the fabulous David Hill from Slade? Uh, and of course, if you didn't know already, then the band have actually just put up one of their classic compilation records titled Crackers, the ultimate party album on all streaming services now that includes uh, loads of festive tracks and some bonuses from some of their greatest hits played live, demos and everything else. So if you fancy... If you're having Christmas dinner with your grandmother right now, yeah, chuck that on after the podcast and have a lovely dance with a bit of the bubbly. With it, what? Just, oh, you mean champagne? I sh- thought you were calling it Nan Bubbly. I was like, who's what? How do you know specifically <laughs> that Nan was called Bubbly? Nana Bubbly. <laughs> Nana Bubbly. <laughs> well, I think we've all had a Nana Bubbly. It's like, oh, Nana's on. Hey, Nana Bubbly's off. Um, yeah, thanks again to Dave. Um, I know I keep saying it, but it was awesome. We've had a lot of we had a lot of fun, and um, yeah, I was worried. I was a little bit worried at first. I You're didn't know always how... worried. Why are you? Yeah, getting I know, worried? but more so with legends and people like like Dave. Like I'm not sure at first. You know, I was like, oh, perhaps he's going to hate us because you know because we're, we're young lads because like, we're fucking yeah, cause not fucking nice. yeah because yeah because yeah, he he can see our faces. That's why I thought um, he might hate us. Yeah, but, it's okay. Yeah, it turned that, out yeah. to be absolutely lovely. So. Um, yeah, what a fucking legend. I can't believe that we've put one of these out every Friday mm. now, right? For 109 Fridays. Yes. And of course, we could not we could not leave today off. So um, here we are working on Christmas Day. We appreciate you if you've downloaded this. If you're listening to it on Christmas Day, I hope you're having a Christmas Day, uh, a great Christmas Day. And you have a brilliant, brilliant new year. Yes. 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 Just yes. 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 
Yes. But, you know, if you wanted to go, oh, those boys are really nice making sure that we had something to listen to on Christmas Day, especially as good as episode as this. I want to give something back to them. I want to give them the presents that Santa has not delivered to them because they're a bunch of pillocks. Well, you can head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Sapnin, and just become a part of the absolutely wonderful community because not only does it help this thing go in, but you get to make some incredible friends with some of our favourite people and it's just all a lovely lovely time. Yes, what a community what a bunch of legends, I won't go on too much, again patreon.com forward slash sapnin, we had a drunken zoom get together with everybody well I did, I got fucking absolutely steaming very very fast um, on the weekend when we did the zoom and then you came in and looked disappointed so I had to leave um, oh, yeah, you? We had a- disappointed in you? Well, just disappointed in general. I, I was guessing it was me. Um, but oh, yeah, we had what? a... In, in our patron Zoom, we had a drop-in from former bassist of Funeral for a Friend, Gareth Davis. <laughs> yes, we did, which was very nice. Um, yeah, which was awesome. So, I, yeah, thanks thanks to Marcy for facilitating that. Sorry to Gareth that I missed it. Hmm. Um, and also a shout-out to our patrons, Andrew, Keach and Julia, who absolutely lost their fucking minds and were staring at the screen like if an alien had just appeared. Um, it was wonderful. I reckon, I reckon Gareth should be a future guest on the podcast one day. Yeah, I'd like that very, very much. That would be um, fan-bloody-tastic. So, yeah, let's think about that for the future. Yes, but as it's Christmas, Sean, is there any other... The things you'd like to tell us about your festive experiences i mean you've been on the road a lot i'm sure you know you haven't played a show on christmas day because fucking nutcases would do that but i mean what's the what's the closest festive things while on the road any any little stories come to mind i know you've done new year's eve parties before uh, oh, was that one of yeah. them yeah i think we've I don't know. I remember one time, one time that we were stuck at, I think we were stuck in Belgium while, yeah, so basically the blackout was stuck in Belgium nearly over Christmas because our management hadn't paid the bus company in time. So the bus was kind of holding us ransom on the 23rd of December going... Gonna need to get paid the full amount or you can't go home. So that happened. I remember that happening. That was like home alone, but different. It was... Well, not home alone, was it? It was away together. (laughs) (laughs) So literally the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. Have you already had a bit of fucking... No, I haven't. I haven't haven't touched anything Christmassy yet. No, No Baileys, nothing. Yeah, we were away and together, which is should have been a sequel to Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, right? Mm. He's not home. He's not, is he? You've just cracked it. You've just just cracked the code, yeah? Right, that's it. Culkin, (laughs) get on the fucking podcast. Guys, anybody listening to this, I want you to get in touch with Macaulay Culkin on his socials and make him come on this podcast, please. I would love a chat with Macaulay Culkin because I want to know what bloody metal he loves, as we all do. What does Kevin McAllister like to mosh to? Well, well, I never. Yeah. I've got to ask, since you brought up Hub Alone, um, is Die Hard a Christmas film? No, it came out in February, I believe. Yeah, but it, it takes place on Christmas Eve, right? I don't give a flying fuck. 
When did it come out? That's not a Christmas film. No, no, no. If a Christmas... To be a Christmas (laughs) film, it's got to be out over... It must have been intended to have been out over Christmas. Not after Christmas. That's exactly it. That's how I see it. Unless Die Hard is literally... I sound like it's a Welsh person. (laughs) Die Hard. You know David Hard? Do you know David Hard? Anyway, David Hard, right? Unless they... They brought it out ten months early for Christmas. <laughs> might have been a, might have been a possibility because it was massive. So, yeah, I don't think that. I know it's set in Christmas, mm. and you know me. I like misery more than anybody, right? So mm. all the happy Christmas films can piss off. I like Hans Gruber going. Mister Takagi will not be joining us for the rest of his life, or uh, I shall count to three. There shall not be four. That's perfect. I mm. love that. I mm. love Alan Rickman being an evil German. But sadly, it came out in February. So for me, not a Christmas film. Okay. Okay. Um, quick, quick shout out to the films Jingle All the Way, which is brilliant if anyone hasn't seen that. And um, it's not a Christmas film, but there is a wonderful Christmas scene in it. Of Mean Girls, which is uh, no surprise to anyone listening to this podcast. I had to get my love for that film into it somewhere mad anyway without further ado <laughs> check out the description of this podcast on whatever you're listening it to on whether it's your computer your phone uh your phone or your computer or i don't know maybe you're listening on your computer or phone i don't know <laughs> where else can people listen i don't know where else people can fucking listen to podcasts it's phone or computer isn't it TV? tv your fucking tablet your car you can be listening to this in your car you could be listening to this on the toilet you could be listening to this having a big christmas shit after you've had your meal yes morgan 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 (laughs) all those things you just named right are activities where you'd have your phone or a radio no if you're rich enough you could have your toilet can become a speaker the fuck you are are you pissed are you drunk? <laughs> Might be. I don't Are you know. drunk with Christmas cheer after talking to Dave? I don't know what's up out of this cup, to be honest with you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, I know what you've done. You've what? accidentally inhaled that snow I sent you. That wasn't snow. Oh. It wasn't. Oh, no. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, the description of this podcast, wherever you bloody listen, check it out. Uh, not only does it tell you a bit about the the episode but it also has trillions and trillions not trillions um has several names of uh some of the patrons involved in the making of this podcast without any of these guys it wouldn't be possible i genuinely mean that because i swear me and morgan would have given up by now because it's um it's hard work is we're a two-man team and there's a lot going into this. So without them, this would not be possible. But you're also going to give a gigantic shout out to the elite yes. members of our ah! Patreon. Oh, that's my gigantic shout out. Carry on. <laughs> who, are the t- who are the top tiers? Um, they normally change their names to mess with us to have a little bit of a laugh on the podcast. I'm hoping this week is all festiveness. Um, but we'll, we'll, have a, we'll have a look now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Yeah, I don't think it is, but thank you very much to Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Liwaway, Mitch Perry, Emma Barber. Happy birthday, Scott. Merry Christmas, everyone. That's from Janelle Castor, Nathan Croshaw, Kelly Young, Figgy the Slutty Wienerwacker, Sarah, happy birthday, Scott Jones, the true Patreon Jesus James, Paul Hirschfield, Liam Conley, Scooby Drew Styles, Kelly Owen, Mike Lengler, Kat Besant, Amadine Urbano, Loz, Tony Michael, Amy Campion, Johnny Phillips, Scott, I'm not saying I'm the Messiah, but have you seen have you seen us in the same room together, Jones? Bert, well, we have. Yeah, I've been in the same room as Scott Jones, so he can't be the Messiah. Uh, Simon Amos, thank you very much. Jody Shannon, Ollie, happy birthday to the micro-penis Jesus, old Scotty J, Amesbury, Kate Stevenson, Danny Eaton, Jenny Sexy Boy Munster, Lucy Diaz, Becky Handy, Martina McManus, Emily Senegals, Kelly, happy birthday, old man Scott. May your birthday be huge, unlike your penis, Mallory. John and Emma, Erin Howard, Jason, happy birthday, Scott. I remember when this was all Fields, Jones, Redia. <laughs> Jenny Robson, Marcy Jacobson, Louis Cook, Sandra Kuacek, Craig, Tipwank Fosh, Harris, Kelly Cannon, Kevin Clark, Lou Soul, Livy Cropper, James McNaught, Tallulah Grant, Cocksmack the Loose Lipped Douche Canoe, Sharif Awadali, Lydia Henderson, Dana Dancefloor Darling Lasnava, Nula Clark, Julia Christmas Pun Slamey Ravitch, Cow, TJ Oldman Scott Jones set out to change it, oh, he dirt me, Amber Shattock, Josh, all I want for Christmas is my one phone call, Crisp, Adam Parslow, Alice as Pencilwood, the Kerismus Elf, and last but no means least, least, Jacob Turner, who said he joined so he could have a stupid name. But what he's done is he's forgotten to change his name in time, so he hasn't got around to doing it. So technically, we win. <laughs> Thank you very much to all of those people. You literally mean the world to us. If you're part of the Patreon, you mean the world to us. I hope you have an amazing Christmas. As we all know now, by next week, we would have missed my birthday. So the fact that you didn't all change your name to Happy Birthday, Sean, really, Aww. really stings. It really, really stings. You should have been more thoughtful than that, but instead you went for Scott Jones. Um, so fuck you guys. But also, thank you very much. I hope you have a great Christmas. I hope you have a great Sean birthday, Sean anniversary, and please stay safe. Keep your tongue out. Morgan, is there anything else? I'm very sorry to find out that Scott has a micro. Um, and happy birthday, Sean. 
for the Thank 29th. You, um, we you. will be back next Friday and every Friday bringing you some wacky contents with guests. Um, New Year's Day is next week. So this is, the, this is the last episode of the year. This is our last 2020 episode. Oh, what a shit year. Fuck off, 2020. <laughs> what a load of crap. What a load of fucking shit this year was, apart from the lovely, lovely guests we've had on. Podcast-wise, yeah, we, we haven't done all right because we haven't done oh, too oh, bad we've done, because, because oh, we've yeah, had yeah, some yeah. lovely guests. Oh, yeah, we've managed to pull it out the bag. I don't know. Yeah, oh, yeah, we were shitting ourselves early on when we realised we couldn't see people. And then we did that first one over Zoom with Bert McCracken from The Used. Yes, we did. And everything else has been quite good since. Fingers crossed. I've cursed that now, haven't I? Mm. 21's going to be a right fucking shitter for us, I bet. Anyway, I'll be part of the 37 Club, which is 10 years too late for the 27 Club. So that's something we've got to look forward to as well. Anyway, hope you're all well. Let's move on. Sapnin! Sapnin! Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. That's an home alone court. You're listening to Sapnin Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't, I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, thank you very much.